Welcome to Fom Talks. On the occasion of Earth Day, we decided to provide you with food for thought. Or you could also say thoughts about food. My name is Amelie Schüle, curator and head of public practice at Fom. I'm the moderator of today's conversation. Agriculture is a present topic of discussion in the context of climate change and sustainability. This episode brings together Anna Nunez Rodriguez and Isadora Romero, whose work addresses the social dimension of agriculture by focusing on one specific vegetable, the potato. Welcome to this episode, Anna and Isadora. It's a pleasure of having you on the podcast. We brought you two together because we want to have a conversation about how our cultures are intertwined with the food we grow and eat. And through your projects, the two of you are speaking on different levels on, about the link between culture and agriculture through one very specific vegetable, the potato. For us, this link was important because agriculture is inherently linked to climate change. Therefore, we chose this day. Through your work, we can learn about histories around the potato and the ancestral knowledge connected to it and to its cultivation. In that way, maybe we also grow an understanding why it is important to care about how something is farmed or grown or how it is connected to our culture itself. So maybe as a beginning, I wanted to ask you to respond to this framework and if you really see your work in this connection. Maybe, Anna, you would want to respond to this first? So I'm really happy and thank you for inviting me to join Isadora and you in this conversation. For me, it was really enthusiastic to find a project that also is crossed by a potato and is also somehow autobiographical, but with a different approach. So I'm really looking forward to getting deep into these two different approaches. Yeah, so there is definitely this connection between agriculture and culture. And actually, I think like agriculture reflects like many cultural aspects, like what people eat, how they organize, uh, like uh, their customs, their traditions, and their feeling of belongings. And I think like all these things shape identity that ultimately is like the focus of my work. So definitely I think like the potato connects to all these cultural aspects that at the end end up in shaping our identities. Isadora, how would you respond to this? Well, first of all, thank you, Amelie, for the invitation and very nice to meet you, Anna. And yes, um, well, for me, it's, it's somehow the same. Uh, for me, it's very important to this link um, because I actually started the project with this notion. And you know, it, it has been often discussion around biology, ecology, and conservation uh, in this narrow way that uh, is specific in, and sometimes culture is left apart. And I think it's very important to understand our species relation with our environment to fully comprehend what is in risk, but also what are the possible futures that we can build. And in this sense, um, I have found this deep relation between culture and agriculture and um, is a living thing, like the ancestral relation some communities have with land, and, but also is a very complex heritage that is not always tangible and that is uh, found within moral memory. And that's what I was interested in, my work and my last project. 
And we're going to also go a bit deeper into it in a second. Um, so thank you already for those little insights and how you see yourself also reflected in this conversation. Maybe we can start by giving a bit of an insight into the project and the individual motivations. I want to start this with speaking a bit more with you, Anna. An important part of your work called Cooking Potato Stories are oral histories. Maybe you could start to explain what are Cooking Potato Stories and what part they play in your work. So, like, Cooking Potato Stories is a collection of translocal stories around the potato in different contexts that somehow wants to reconstruct or reframe in a collective way, like, the history of potato. My personal motivation, like, like my photographic practice is uh, focused on this idea of, like, the construction of identity, always influenced by my own experience moving between Latin America and Europe. And I, I thought, I think like this project is also, was also a way to start a conversation within my family and my context. So I use the potato to reflect on these colonial legacies that are still alive in our daily life in the way we think and perceive others. So for me, it was like to put in a potato in the table and just start talking. So. Then I realized with the passing of the research that actually it touched everyone. So I thought like could be much more interesting to intertwine my own story with others. So at the end, like the potato turned out to be a way to talk about ourselves. So in my personal case was more linked to this colonialism and identity and migration, but in other cases it can be like uh, more displacement or um, uh, belonging or famine or it touches really different aspects. Yeah, maybe it would be interesting because you also collect the stories, you record them, they come back in installations of your work. Maybe do you want to um, go into one particular story or to give an example of uh, a connection that can be made? Yes, yeah, so I decide to collect orally the stories also. Maybe I should also mention this because I think there is uh, a lot of knowledge involved in this oral transmission, generation by generation, but never is considered, or not never, but sometimes is not considered as official or valuable. And actually, like, when I was looking at Isadora's work, I read something that it was really, like, I feel really identified with, like, the stories are, like, kind of resistance. And I think, like, that's what I thought, like, we should, I should approach it in this oral transmitted way, so like the recreation of like the history. Actually, there was like a movement in Latin America in the 70s, the 80s, that is like the popular history or like recovery of history that was like mainly used the oral transmission to create knowledge. So just keep away from the institutional channels and just uh, rescue this kind of knowledge. So I start recording the stories and just in the installation, they are part of these sounds. And probably uh, I would like to share with you one that actually was also like somehow connected to my personal case. And that is like uh, a conversation I had with my a grandmother that is uh, my neighbor, where she was like arguing to me like the potatoes were from there. So she just said like ours are from here and I just tried to introduce her some potatoes I brought from Colombia and said why instead of not using the potatoes from here we use this one so it was just trying to push her and then she immediately says like ours are from here I prefer ours I'm not going to use like 
other potatoes. I, and so we give from granted, like the potatoes has been always in our tables, but actually like they did a really trip that it was full of troubles. Yeah, that's, you gave that, is this the term that you coined of the root patriotism, right? That there's also a claiming of the ownership over the potato, whereas it's so spread around the world. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, as I said, we give from granted, like the potato has been always on our tables, but and it has been appropriated in every diet in many places all around the world, and they consider of their own. So I kind of made up with this concept of root patriotism because like, of course, like this food is really connected to this sense of national belonging. And there was this patriotism linked to the potatoes. So it less kind of root that links to the potato, but actually roots as a sense of nation. So like I started using this root patriotism. So everyone's considered the potato the best. So there is, yes, kind of funny way to refer to this link between the national identity and the potato. Yeah, it's interesting. You do this often in your work that you use kind of like cooking potato stories. You're always reusing also a, a language that is either connected to the potato, to the process of making it or the process of farming it, which is becoming become a tool in your work, actually. Yeah, like, for example, like digging or like uh, unearth and all this. I think there is such a nice vocabulary that connects to the potato that is really like symbolic and and connects to like a methodology of work and of of research. And also this connection of the soil to us and to the body. So I really think it's it's also where this connection to culture or to cultural heritage becomes so tangible in the vocabulary and um, in the phrasing. And you already touched up on how you connect your personal story of migration to the potato. Is this the main, this is also a main motivator behind the project? Yes, so I found like really nice parallels between the history of potato and myself, because both were moving between Latin America and Europe. And actually like both processes were somehow like characterized by acceptance and adaptation, because like, as I said before, the potato was carried from Latin America to Europe, but actually it took two centuries until it was accepted as a food crop because there were like many beliefs, tradition that stood on its way and it was not accepted. And But actually like it has this power of adaptation and adaptability to the soil, to the uh, food culture. So I thought like using these parallelisms was a, a nice way to talk about myself, but also about the the potato. Yes, I find it's really uh, how you package that in your work. It's so it makes it just makes sense. So really, it's thank you for talking a bit more about it and giving us a bit of more insight. Maybe I want to continue to talk to Isadora, just to also ask you to give us a bit more an idea of the work uh, Blood is a Seed. And of course, it sent us also around the potato and it's also connected to your family history. So your grandfather and grand great-grandmother were seed guardians and cultivated potatoes. Maybe could you talk a bit about how you started the project and how this special link uh, became uh, is connected to it? Yes, um, for me I started uh, because I have been working with 
I'm more of a documentary photojournalist, photographer. So I started working with agricultures and and um, seed guardians in Latin America, in Paraguay, and then I started working in you know these resilient communities, uh, uh, safeguarding seeds for uh, preserving agrobiodiversity. That is a topic that is very interesting to me and. I was working with a community ancestral community here of seed guardians and also with a with a scientist community that uh, in Quito we have that is uh, they have up around twenty eight thousand of accessions of germoplasm to preserve. So I was trying to understand how these two senses of preservation works, you know, from the sense of belonging of the identity. Uh, so while I was working, it, this was in 2020, this last part of this project, and it was uh, the pandemic, so it was very difficult for me to get to the community because there wasn't public transportation and I don't have a car. So my father was taking me there to the community and once we were talking about what I was doing there and he said, oh, you know what? Your great grandmother and your grandfather were seed guardians also and your grandfather created these two varieties of potatoes. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why didn't you say this to me before? And um, I then I understood why I was so interested in this even though I am not a farmer or not agriculture. And so the next step for me, the next obvious step was going there and just trying to find what was happening. So I found this uh, link to the potatoes from the seed perspective in, the, in a little bit different of uh, Anna, um, because I was interested in how my grandfather created these two varieties of potatoes. It was something like was amazing for me. I didn't understand how he did that. So um, I then went there trying to find this resilient community as the same communities I was working in other places in Latin America and I didn't find that. Uh, I didn't find all the varieties that um, that my father used to eat and I didn't find the varieties my my grandfather created. I didn't find seed guardians. So I I began to understand how the in the opposite side how loss works and how all the, these varieties were lost. Maybe this is it's interesting to go uh, into this you in, you made a video essay about the work where we can see images, we can see animations, the a voiceover of yourself talking to your father, going a bit deeper into all into the project. And you are opening actually with a statement which says that see this cultural memory. And what I thought was interesting was this abstraction that you make from this step where you say that um, if a seed is copied, you're making this link to monocultures and asking what memory does a seed keep if they are clones, repetitions. 
you are making the step from asking what happens if the seeds are lost, the memory is lost, and you made an animation about visualizing this. And maybe you can talk a bit more about what you mean with it and also how it connects to this monoculture or the, the step that you did there, the scientific step. Well, it, it has um, to do with this relation between agriculture and culture that we were talking before. Um, because monocultures are not only problematic in terms of what it means to land, soil, health, of course, uh, but loss of diversity um, also mean um, a loss of cultural memory. And there are several literature that talk about seeds as, as something alive, keeping cultural memory um, to domesticate a variety or create a new one reflects a lot of the community cultural practices. And when that seed is lost, it is uh, that memory is also lost. Um, other examples, for example, for to understand this, is that um, each variety has its own name. And sometimes like in Ecuador or Paraguay, uh, that name is said in the native language, like Quechua here. And when that species disappear, it means that it will no longer be named. So language also began to disappear with this uh, culture. And that phrase that you're quoting actually was my premise at the beginning of this project. Uh, but since, since I didn't, I did not find that cultural memory in my father's town anymore. I, I wonder what memory can clones keep and it became clear to me like this was uh, this lie, this lie about progress. And you know, this, this phrase that say that a lie said a thousand times becomes true. Well, I, I thought to make a parallel with that, uh, thinking that a clone of a seed saw a thousand times uh, becomes this lie you know, about um, progress. Uh, so I wanted to also play a little with these uh, world things uh, just to keep this sense of repetition. In the end, you come to an area where you speak more about storytelling as a form of resistance, which is this uh, also this parallel to Anna that I thought was also interesting, the turn that the work takes there because it becomes also the imagery changes and it takes a different tone. Yeah, I, I usually... I start a project not knowing what final form it will take. I work with different materials that allows me to express the main ideas. Um, sometimes it gets to the final piece and sometimes not. But for this project, it was um, hard for me to find a way to tell the story. And I was, because I was talking about memory, about loss, about colonialism and non-visible non traces of violence, and all of these are abstract concepts and difficult to take into photographs. So later in the project, we decided to collaborate with my father uh, because what he was remembering about this town was not was what I was seeing there. So in this dialogue, we can create this sense of loss and also future. Um, so in this sense, I found that this memory of the importance of agriculture culture got to me through the stories he had told me. 
and also the memories of my father of agriculture that are still living in the town. And everything was somehow erased, uh, but memory was still there through the, this storytelling. So oral memory has been the form of passing cultural knowledge through from communities that hasn't had the means to take it into textbooks of the validated way of, of knowledge of a globalized world, a world such as Anna said at the beginning. Thank you, Isadora. Um, we haven't asked that in the beginning, but did you actually know Anna's work already or did you get got introduced to it through the podcast? No, I didn't. I didn't um, knew her work while, while I was working in my project because I work in it with the um, while I was doing the Magnum Foundation Social Justice Fellowship. So while I was working in it, I was introduced to Anna's work, and I was uh, amazed by the time and the research and all these memories that were collected and also this parallel with migration. Uh, but I didn't see a lot of the work and now I see much more. And I, I am really happy because I think it is something that when, when I started the project, people said like, you know, potato is this, is this symbol of the meaningless thing, you know, and and somehow we both find a lot of things to say about this and starting from the seeds and what it really represents and means. So it is very exciting for me to, to be in this conversation also with her. Thank you, Tadora. Anna, what does it do with you to hear this and have you heard before or seen the work or was it also introduced to us? I knew Isadora's work, but I didn't know she was working on potatoes. So I knew her previous work. And then like just, I knew she was working on potatoes through, through this meeting. And it was really fascinating, as I said at the beginning, because I think, yeah, there is this connection, both of us uh, to Colombia, but a different approach. So it was really, I think it's really happy. Like we are here discussing about potatoes yeah, it was for us, it was in a way, uh, you know, it's nice to make a match like this. Doesn't always happen that you have such a first a, a topic, the potato, uh, because it's also very specific, of course. But then this idea, both of you with a, a carrier of as a potato as a carrier of collective memory and this emphasis on storytelling. And um, I would be curious if. I mean, there is a difference in approach, maybe in how you, the form you also chose. There's parallels and there's differences that are based on your own practice. I was maybe curious if you had a question. Yeah, like what I was more curious about while I was like uh, watching the video and then like now talking to you is like, I was wondering if there is still some kind of knowledge or is only alive in the stories. Um, yeah, thank you for the questions. I, um, I I couldn't find like these varieties resisting. There are some varieties that are still there, um, but yeah, my my cousins that are still uh, growing potatoes and onions uh, in the town, um, they have this 
other kind of knowledge related with monocultures and um, this modern agriculture and um, you know this way of preparing the chemics for um, I don't know this word sorry for fumigate the you know the crops and um, yeah and they are very good at it I mean they had a lot of knowledge because agriculture is so difficult but this ancestral way of of growing uh, is not longer there and uh, is more on the stories yes and on the other question for me like the hardest thing I, I think it was getting into my own story um, because I learned a lot of my family that I didn't know and um, I w would also like to to ask you but for me it was very difficult to face uh, how this forced migration related to violence was, was affecting my family and and I think that that really was hard for me because I was I was coming from these communities resisting and connecting in this mystical way with the land and then I arrived there and nothing was there uh, of what I was used to and I think I was somehow also romanticizing this life from, from on the countryside and for me it was uh, difficult but good to find that uh, the story of my father's town is also the story of many towns around the world and yeah and, and, and this relation with with forced migration so I, I wanted also to ask you um, how did you find this in Colombia in real in a bigger sense because I just work in my father's town that is very little but how did you how can you find these stories in this relation yeah. yeah so actually like what you were just answering the first question like there is this issue like there is all there is this being cultivating like the same kind of potatoes and there is a uh, many this potato diversity has been lost in a way but now i have seen like in many places there is a renaissance of cultivating like what they call like uh, how is it called like na papas nativas so native potatoes is called so now there is like a huge movement of resistance to still cultivating this kind of potatoes and now they are turning back to this native cultivation of potatoes but the biggest issue they have is like it's really complicated to introduce them in the market because it's much more expensive to to produce them and they also do it in organic way and probably the seeds maybe you know more than me but probably the seeds are not that strong and so like actually like there is this returning to this native species but many difficulties to make a living out of selling this kind of potatoes and in terms of the second question, I think I have had the same problem. So facing this family history, so like to just face in a familiar context about these colonial ideas that still persist and is like kind of, uh, it was kind of difficult for them to have this conversation, to realize like, to move them from their comfort zone and realize like these colonialisms that 
supposed to be something that passed is still alive in many cultural patterns, in the way we think, in the way we eat. So it's still there. And like having the chance to navigate between these two cultural realities for me was like having a broader idea of what does it mean. And to try to transmit this to my family was at the beginning kind of difficult, I have to say. So they were not ready to have this conversation. But the potato was an easy way to, to deal with that. But uh, I actually have a question, and it's it's so interesting to hear the two of you speak about this kind of that there's a personal story and there's a way of making uh, this connecting the personal histories and family histories and this and both of you tried to of course put this into a, f a framework that also tells a collective story or a story um, of a translocal story. But I would be curious. Both of you chose different visuals and visual concepts to then create images that go with the stories. And what importance also played creating imagery or collecting imagery um, for tell, to tell the story and to make it tangible again? Anna, maybe? Yeah, so like the visuals I, I produce were mainly based on my own stories, so my own narratives that were mainly like based on historical aspects, on the research, but this personal and even emotional. So I try to translate this, this, uh, and then like I intertwine with other people's stories that are part of the audio. So I think like maybe that influence of like Latin America and Galician visual culture. So most of my images have this kind of, uh, magic realism so i like to use this kind of visual resource so like depicting like something normal as something kind of strange that really struck you and something is happening here seems to be normal but actually it's not so i think like i the images i produced were more based on this kind of methodology but also visually i intertwined with like archival images i've been collecting archival images that I buy in markets in Galicia for many years. So I found that, and since I'm coming from the countryside, there were many related to this farming and agriculture. And I also use like other visual resources like paintings and this kind of stuff that actually like the potato was also present there. So like how the potato was uh, initially used as a decorative plant. So I, I, I rescue all this kind of uh, visual imaginary connected to potato and these paintings and all these visual references. So I kind of mix everything, mix everything and create like a, a visual universe that actually I hope like moves people to find their own story. So it's like kind of an input to to the audience to find their own way into this universe. And Isadora, in a way you do something similar because you also bring together different imagery and visuals. Could you also say what, because you work also in a photojournalistic way with images that are more straightforward uh, documenting, how was the approach different in this way where the storytelling um, yeah, had, had a different relationship to the image? Yeah, for me, what is um, very uh, um, attracting for the from Anna's work is all the all her work with symbols, because it is also very important for me, and I really appreciate how 
she uh, built these symbolic uh, spaces uh, that has so many meanings inside. And uh, for me, is I, I work somehow in a similar way, but trying to do so in a more documentary way, if, if is that term <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like difficult because as I said, I was working with this abstract concept and it was very difficult to tell in just pictures. Uh, so I, I collaborate with my father and he did these drawings of what he was remembering. And also I used uh, his first camera that was a film camera that I got really in my hands and I tried to photograph what he was remembering but somehow this film gets veiled and overexposed when I when I develop it. So I was thinking, well that's the way memory works as well, you know, like it's not exact place, it's like this. Um, it, it gets a lot a lot of emotion involved also in remembering. So I was thinking that the memory of my father can be his own voice and his own drawings and I can talk more about what I was seeing. Um, so the narrative that I found for this piece is this conversation, kind of conversation between what he was remembering and what I was seeing. I think like there's there are many connections in, in our works, but I also think like somehow like expanded way of using photography is also like something that is because the exhibition that now is at form it not it includes like another way of presenting photography as you as you, as you did for example because you use this code and then the drawings so i think there are like different ways of approaching images that i think also i have used in the i have also done that in the show using the ceramics and the uh, potato bags and the autochrome. So I think like it's a nice uh, point in common we have, like I think like starting from photography, but expanding like the to what to the idea of the images. Yeah, I think also, you know, and although we can say both of you focus on a potato, you're telling so the stories in such a different way. You know, it's not like that you could say the work is similar, not at all, because it's so um, you have an approach that you share, uh, which is this finding different ways for the storytelling, uh, working with lots of different um, materials, uh, ways of expression and the story as the oral history. But the work is in that sense, goes in very different directions. I find that super interesting when seen next to each other. And I guess discovering it, that was the striking thing about it. Uh, because in the end, the biggest commonality is the potato, you know? And as you say, how often does that happen? That you'll find uh, something like that. Something so simple that can be this complex. And probably we could have 10 more artists work on this and it could go in all these different directions. But I think we're already at the end of our time. And thank you both for sharing your insights, for being together here. And I think this is the beginning of a, a way of introducing people to your work, but there's more to see. 
so we have the exhibition at FOAM that can be seen for Anna's work and we have uh, Isadora's work as part of the WordPress photo exhibition now also in Amsterdam. So I hope people feel invited to follow your work and also delve deeper into each of the elements of the stories. And thank you so much for sharing the space with me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out our website for more information on the work of Anna and Isadora. Follow our social media for updates on new episodes. Thank you. Bye.